When in doubt, tell the truth. Why, you pompous windbag. HBR Talk with Hannah Wallen. Last week, we discredited the feminist-promoted myth that false criminal allegations are harmless. We talked about the various effects they have, and it's very clear that they do terrible harm to the target, are potentially harmful to everyone around him, and can even be argued to impact society at large. The question that raises is, what does the continued behavior indicate about the people who defend, promote, and engage in it? To answer that, we have to consider a standard feminists fought to get society to adopt, anti-harassment law and policies regarding the workplace. These differ depending on which meaning is used in them. Criminal harassment varies in standards, as Fine Law points out, depending on where the complaint takes place. Civil standards on harassment, which involve behavior over which the alleged target sues the alleged perpetrator, have a different set of parameters and criteria than criminal harassment. The dictionary definition, which is looser than either of those and varies from publisher to publisher, isn't an authoritative statement on law, but gets used in policies at various institutions anyway. U.S. Legal points out that criminal harassment, which has the strictest criteria, is generally defined as a course of conduct which annoys, threatens, intimidates, alarms, or puts a person in fear of their safety. It goes on to say that harassment is unwanted, unwelcomed, and uninvited behavior that demeans, threatens, or offends the victim and results in a hostile environment for the victim. Local statutes may vary in some detail, but they all generally follow that set of criteria. Civil standards are looser and feminists are working to expand them even further. The New York University Review of Law and Social Change hosts a paper by Wendy N. Hess, Associate Professor, University of South Dakota School of Law, which argues that sexual rumors in the workplace impose a double standard and constitute gender-based insults, and therefore are a form of sexual harassment, specifically when women are the subject of them. The paper's conclusion is that this should be fodder for sexual harassment lawsuits, but again, only when the complainant is a woman. In criminal and civil terms, harassment generally involves an individual's pattern of behavior over time. But victim identitarians, the group that has had the most influence over standards governing institutional handling of harassment complaints, have attempted to expand the definition to include patterns of separate one-time actions committed by different individuals who are part of a group. If the actions would constitute harassment, should they all be one person's course of conduct over time? In other words, their argument is that if the target feels harassed, the pattern constitutes harassment. That is how victim identitarians get away with leveling harassment allegations at whole demographics like the men's rights movement, Gamergate supporters, male participants in just about any hobby you can name, sports fans, religious groups, political parties, and anyone else they want to defame or control. According to their standards, a pattern of behavior doesn't need to all be committed by the same person to constitute harassment. The law disagrees with them, but putting that aside for a moment, what does that make it when a bunch of women all gang up to level demonstrably false or increasingly flimsy public allegations of intimate partner and sexual violence against the same guy or the same group? By legal standards, it's nothing if there's no evidence of a conspiracy among the accusers, but if victim identitarians were held to victim identitarian standards, they'd have to consider the behavior a harassment campaign, regardless of whether it was organized or coincidental. As we established last week, the experience of facing a false criminal allegation is horrible. 
At the very least, being lied about is offensive and annoying, and the type of lie involved represents a threat of social consequence, even when stated unofficially, rather than as a complaint to police. From there, it gets worse. The target could face vigilante action, including violence. If the lie is told to police, the target will face arrest, an investigation, and the impact increases from there. In extreme cases, false allegations have proved to be deadly. So certainly, it is reasonable to say that falsely accusing someone of a heinous crime fits or can fit any or all of the criteria for harassment. It is unwanted, unwelcomed, and uninvited behavior, demeans, threatens, or offends the victim, results in a hostile environment for the victim, and annoys, threatens, intimidates, alarms, or puts the victim in fear of their safety. If, as victim identitarians insist, we remove the requirement that behavior be one person's course of conduct to be considered harassment, and we consider sexual rumors harassment as Professor Hess desires, then a group targeting the same individual with allegations without evidence fits the definition. Despite this, the behavior is socially accepted among victim identitarians with increasingly ridiculous examples presented in public without question. The latest assertion regarding Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh illustrates this, as John McCormick explains in his National Review article, the New York Times anti-Kavanaugh bombshell is actually a dud. In the story's second paragraph, McCormick writes, The allegation Robin Pogrebin and Kate Kelly write in a New York Times story adapted from their forthcoming anti-Kavanaugh book is this. We also uncovered a previously unreported story about Mr. Kavanaugh in his freshman year that echoes Ms. Ramirez's allegation. The article notes later that Ms. Ramirez is the woman who claimed to have possibly come into accidental contact with Justice Kavanaugh's exposed genitals at a party. The paragraph continues with more of the quote. A classmate, Max Steyer, saw Mr. Kavanaugh with his pants down at a drunken dorm party where friends pushed his penis into the hand of a female student. As if the ridiculousness of the details of the so-called bombshell weren't discrediting enough, McCormick goes on to point out, quote, The book notes quietly that the woman Max Steyer named as having been supposedly victimized by Kavanaugh and his friends denies any memory of the alleged event. This is followed by a scathing criticism of the lack of journalistic integrity at the New York Times. Omitting this fact from the New York Times story, he writes, is one of the worst cases of journalistic malpractice in recent memory. He's right. That's a reprehensible level of journalistic fraud. But is that all it is? This is just the latest in a string of rapidly deteriorating, quote, bombshells dropped on Justice Kavanaugh in an attempt to prevent or undo his appointment to the Supreme Court, a factor his accusers admitted was their reason for, quote, coming forward with their allegations. In other words, without evidence and without even ensuring that their stories were credible sounding, a gang of women, political rivals, political commentators, and media outlets targeted a man with unfounded, largely unfalsifiable defamatory sexual rumors intended to derail his career. If he'd been a female desk jockey in some Midwestern cubicle maze, feminist academics like Professor Hess would see that as justifiable fodder for a workplace sexual harassment lawsuit. Instead, the fact that it didn't work was treated by feminist and progressive media as evidence that our society is a misogynistic rape culture. Imagine being so entitled as to consider the same behavior reprehensible when it's done to you, but a special right when you do it. 
Imagine being so accustomed to your community, accommodating your sense of entitlement to that double standard that you'd view refusal to do so as a targeted attack on you based on who you are. Sounds kind of privileged, doesn't it? Hello and welcome to HBR Talk 101. Could hashtag Me Too be called a harassment campaign? I'm your host, Hannah Wallen, here with She Who Must Be Obeyed, Karen Strawn, and Nonsense Annihilator, Lauren B., to do something feminists specifically and women in general often cannot handle. Apply a standard they've demanded to their own behavior. Let the wailing and gnashing of teeth begin. But first, as usual, we've got a couple of things to go over. If you haven't already, you need to head on over to badgerfeed.com and register to receive notifications if you want to know what the Badgers have going on every day. If you want to support our work despite the latest adpocalypse, feedthebadger.com is the most stable way to help. So remember, information is power and we have it. Go to Badgerfeed for information, feed the Badger to help us share that information. And uh, speaking of sharing information, don't forget to smash that like button and share us on every social media site you use. Grab some popcorn, throw open the gates of reason, and unleash your friendly neighborhood badgers on normie society. Just be ready with some smelling salts, because what we're going to talk about is apparently shocking. I need my heart's horn and my clutching pearls. Whoever said that we were friendly? remember ever having that uh, description applied. <laughs> friendly neighborhood badgers. Yeah, no, there's yeah. no such thing. No. <laughs> but, um, no, I like, okay, the Brett Kavanaugh thing, that was absolutely spectacular because it's like, literally the accusation was made by, what, Max Steyer, who's uh, F- didn't he help defend Bill Clinton during Bill Clinton's impeachment hearings? Yes, yes, he is a Clinton right? guy, and yes, he defended Clinton's uh, sexual antics. Yeah, and so I, I'm just like, okay, so the President of the United States is accused of multiple uh, incidents of sexual misconduct. And this guy is on his defense team, but, but he heard, or did he say he witnessed it? I don't remember. Right? No, he was repeating after, a, a second after all rumor. The errata and corrections, right? You know, uh, I, it's hard. It's very hard for me to understand exactly where this is. This a third party witness who says, he, who swears he saw it happen, or is this a, a, third-party hearsay witness who says he heard about it, you know, and, you know, the New York Times, what a fucking joke. What a joke, right? They publish the thing. They publish it. It's like the article uh, that, that got Brett Kavanaugh back in the headlines, right, was not that he sided with Planned Parenthood. Uh, in his last decision, uh, you know, regarding abortion um, and uh, sided with the liberal judges. No, no, not that. Never that. Um, no, it was uh, it was that uh, um, at some drunken 
dorm party at Yale, he had his pants down and his dick hanging out, and some friends of his, I don't know, picked up his dick and put it in the vicinity of a woman? Like, like what? Right? And Okay, so this is the chapter in the book. This is this is a description of something. This third hand, hand account, hearsay account of what happened, told by a former Clinton operative, right insider who defended Clinton against his sexual misconduct allegations, mind you. Okay, and um, he's saying, "Oh, I heard that this happened." Right. And they take the chapter from the book. The two authors of the book modify it to turn it into something that can be a standalone newspaper article. Right. And then after all of that, after after somebody, some freaking Hawkeye journalist is like, actually, in the book, it says that the alleged victim declined to give an interview to the authors and also, her friends have said, gone on record saying that she doesn't remember anything about the alleged incident, right? The authors of the article said that that was in their final draft of the article when they submitted it to the New York Times. So its removal was a decision on the part of the editors, Yep. So the editors had to make a cut. It wasn't just that somebody forgot to include it. It was somebody actually removed it. Yeah, and then they tried to uh, uh, finagle a justification by saying that it was in a sentence that said that the had her name. name. Yeah, um, I know, because they couldn't. And, they couldn't just delete her name and put the the victim. Yeah, they couldn't change it, and uh, of course they're not going to say accuser. They will say victim, um, but they or alleged uh, victim or something like that, right? Say yeah, something. Yeah. Well, it can't be the accuser because she, she didn't make the accusation. Uh, that's like, true, uh, but yeah, they 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 could have just taken out two words if the, or or one, you know, first and last name or first name, and then replaced it with a descriptor for for who the person was. Uh, but uh, nope, they took out the whole sentence, and I suspect, I, know, I don't believe, because I've edited stuff I, before, I do not believe for a second that, that the editor took out the sentence uh, without knowing what all was being removed in that sentence. It was a content edit, it wasn't a final line edit, it wasn't a, an edit for typos and grammar, it was a content edit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I mean, so you don't edit anything without reading it. And you don't get to the first couple words of a sentence and then only read that part of the sentence. You read the entire sentence. And of course, to get the context that this was the alleged victim, they would have had to read the entire sentence, probably the entire paragraph. And they would not have been able to delete that fact from the article without knowing. So they're, they're now relating a stupid lie that makes their editing staff look bad. This is like the I, I, the same thing I refer to with regard to the whole, you know, giving people medications and then uh, giving people more medications and more medications. Um, this is very much like the, the lady that swallowed the fly. First they make a mistake. Then they lie about it. Then they have to lie about the lie. 
you know, or they cover something up, they omit information, and then they have to lie about having omitted the information, and or why they did it or how it happened, because they can't admit what really is going on there. If they did, they would really look bad. I mean, what would, what are they going to do? Come out and say, you know what? We're just trying to destroy this guy because we disagree with him ideologically. So we're using, we're just throwing shit at the wall now and, and seeing if it'll stick. Here's another false allegation. Here's another false allegation. Hey, guess what? Now we're going to make one that's absolutely ridiculous and stupid and really wouldn't even be worth pursuing if it were true. But here it is. Oh, and uh, the details of it make it pretty much provably false. Well, and what what I find interesting, too, is that they're, like, number one, I don't know how ideologically different he is from these people. I mean, like, if Christine Blasey Ford, and this came out, this New York Times story came out just shortly after Christine Blasey Ford's lawyer was exposed as having given a speech in which she said that the prime the, the motivation of Christine Blasey Ford in coming forward with her accusation was to put an asterisk next to Brett Kavanaugh's name um, if and when he tries to overturn Roe v. Wade, right? So the whole, the, Ford's lawyer said that Ford's motivation was to protect, protect abortion rights. That's the only reason why she came forward, right? I'm sorry, but I, like, I can understand if you're like, oh, I always knew this man was evil, but I didn't realize, you know, I, it's only just recently that he's been able to have an impact on society. And so I got to, I can, I can understand that as a motivation, right? But it does call into question an issue where you literally had Christine Blasey Ford saying, here's my lifelong friend, Leland Kaiser, right? She was there at the party. She saw how upset I was. She saw me run out of the house in tears, right? That the, these things happened and just go ask her. And Leland Kaiser said, I have no recollection of that. And then Leland Kaiser has come out in the interim, right? Uh, since saying she was pressured to change her story and say she remembered the incident. So you literally have, I don't know, was it Christine Blasey Ford's legal team? Was it just Democrat operatives in general? Was it, was it Diane Feinstein, right? Who was it uh, who was leaning on Leland Kaiser to change her story and say that she remembered something she had no memory of, right? Uh, which is suborning perjury. And by the way, the other dumb aspect of this, as you mentioned, is he might not be as ide ideologically far from them as uh, they... He sided with Planned Parenthood. Yeah, and that's the thing that they claim to be afraid of. So, and this is, I've been saying this uh, since the beginning, this really um, destroyed the public's ability to... Uh, sort of vet Kavanaugh as a uh, as a justice as a potential justice, and it it made it so that Congress had to to determine his uh, appointment or lack of an appointment on the basis of hey we are defending due process. Yeah, and, or and or not, essentially they had to the Republicans had to support his his confirmation regardless of how they felt about because him. Yeah. regardless of how they felt about him because. Hashtag, we don't negotiate with terrorists. 
pretty much and it it really robbed the um the public and it robbed the uh legislators of a, a chance to do their jobs and uh I, you know i i really kind of felt like I, it, part of me wondered if he he's actually secretly uh super liberal and this was a way to get him into place and the continued allegations are a distraction tactic i guess I mean that's I really paranoid, and and obviously it's probably not the case. They're probably just that stupid. But I don't think Kavanaugh is super liberal. I think not. I think he's, he agreed. He's, I, I he, he agreed with Merrick Garland on on a number of decisions that were all dealing with points of law and precedent, right? He appears to be stop it, dog. He appears to be somebody who holds a great deal of loyalty toward legal precedent. And he's not going to overturn something that has 50 years of precedent behind it. Yeah, well, and like he's probably um, he's probably a pretty balanced guy. And I, I, I say that as a person who would rather see Planned Parenthood go down in flames. But yeah, I don't want too. it to happen illegitimately. Well, I mean, he's a married man with two young daughters. I can't him being anything else but liberal leaning i mean i i think might be i mean you know, i don't christian or whatever but i think he does have conservative leanings you know as far well i would say traditional conservative leanings but i think this man is just as gynocentric as any other i i think he's probably a traditionalist more yeah. than anything yeah yeah i don't i don't think he has liberal leanings i think that you know, I think that like when I was doing a sort of a a blog post or whatever on on the Kavanaugh hearings, um, I, I was like, he's a conservative. He wants to conserve what exists now, mm -hmm. right? Yep. Being a conservative doesn't necessarily mean you're a regressive, right? right. It doesn't necessarily mean you want to go back to the 1950s or the 1920s, like that. It means you want. It means that while the progressives are, they've got the fucking pedal to the metal, pushing the gas and just going breakneck speed, yeah. right down the frickin' freeway and, you know, off the frickin' half-constructed bridge, right? The conservatives are there putting the brakes on things, right? They're the ones with their foot on the brake pedal. That's all it means. Progressive means moving forward. Conservative means putting on the brakes. Roe v. Wade's been in the, what, 50 years? Yep. 40 years, something like that, right? Why does conservative mean I want to actually go backwards? It doesn't. It means I want to conserve what exists now. No, and uh, to be honest, um, there's what has, what is traditional versus what traditionalists practice to a degree, especially modern traditionalists. Um, and they're going to, they're not going to, uh, they're not actually going to be traditional on Roe versus Wade, uh, and uh, as, as far as I'm concerned regarding that, like I said, I I would love to see Roe versus Wade go down in flames, but I'm not really, um, and I'm not talking about arson. I'm talking about I just want I want the organization to self destruct, and mm -hmm. I would like to see women as a group basically adult up and reject it. Uh, but but the fact is, I'm not surprised about Kavanaugh's decision because I listened to him answer Congress's questions regarding his beliefs on the law, and they did ask him about that, and he said the law, and this is already settled. He basically mm -hmm. gave the um, the climate change uh, uh, 
realist or whatever, I guess they call themselves realists, um, people who have basically said you cannot question cl uh, climate change say the science is settled, even though there's actually controversy over that. Um, so it's not settled. There's a great deal of discussion. But Kavanaugh said the same thing with regard to Roe versus Wade. The, the law is settled on this. And I mean, that's been the case with other things. And then our society has hit some uh, epiphany along the way and said, oh, no, you know, it's actually not settled and we're going to change the way we deal with this. Slavery is an example of that. Uh, that was pretty heavily settled at, a, at one point in time. And the Supreme Court actually uh, it made some, some rulings regarding that that supported the, uh, the, the slave state rather than the, uh, rather than the idea of uh, freedom and equality. Obviously, they were wrong when they did that. Uh, and, and that's like we change our society changes on things all the time. But I don't expect Kavanaugh to do it with respect to this issue because he's flat out said he's not going to. And uh, I, so yeah, I, like, but, I'm not and shocked yet, at all. And yet, and yet he's the biggest danger. He's the biggest threat to Roe v. Wade, yeah. right? That, that's ever come down the pike, right? And I'm, I'm just like, Susan Collins, her speech, and I would recommend anybody go and listen to it. It's about 45 minutes long. She gave a speech, Senator uh, Susan Collins, um, about why she was going to actually vote uh, to confirm Kavanaugh. And and she she was just like, he described Roe v. Wade as precedent upon precedent upon precedent upon precedent. There is, you know, like the burden of overturning something like that is enormous. The, the only way that you could do it, right? And I, even even if he to get rid of Roe v. Wade, it, it's it's not like it's going to happen, right? Because in order to have that happen, you either have to you have to bring a case. You have to have the case rise through the courts. Then you have to have the Supreme Court deign to hear it, which they don't hear every case that's filed with them. They don't. They sometimes they they sometimes just like ah, there's there's no merit here, and we're just gonna let it go, right? And uh, so not every federal case gets a federal hearing in front of the Supreme Court, right? And then they would have to overturn multiple precedents that have occurred over the last 40 or 50 years, right? They would have to overturn their own decisions that they've made over the last 40 or 50 years. This is, this is like virtually impossible, virtually impossible. Okay. Oh, yeah. The only other way you're going to overturn Wade and criminalize abortion or allow abortion to be criminalized, um, is through a constitutional no, which I... requires a two-thirds majority of states voting in favor of that amendment and you're never going to get that no i don't right? think that's going to happen and that even that even that criminalize abortion in the united states it would just allow state governments that wanted to criminalize it to criminalize it yep exactly and i you know honestly i don't expect the i don't expect the law to be a route that will decide for women whether they're they're going to engage in that behavior or not. Whether they're going oh, to, I'd love I I'd mean, love for women to just freaking wise up, yeah, not have abortions. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe maybe not get uh, pregnant when they don't want to have babies in the first place. Because I mean, we have all kinds of ways to not get pregnant when we don't want to have babies. That might be a that might be a better route to take. Uh, but well, in any case, and I, the other thing I would like to see, I would like to see. Um, 
people who have been convicted on the basis of body cavity searches to which they did not consent uh, to use the Roe versus Wade ruling to get their the privacy because yeah. the Roe versus Wade ruling was not about abortion as a right. It wasn't about the uh, the issue of the procedure itself. It was about medical privacy. And we have all kinds of uh, verbal maneuver maneuvering by our government about how much they protect our medical privacy. But I would think sticking a gloved set of fingers up your ass against your will is a violation of your medical privacy and a sexual assault. Uh, you know, same thing with when women get their vagina searched because um, they're more likely to store things in there. It's probably less painful. It's um, a little more comfortable, I'm sure. I mean, uh, hell, there yeah. was one chick caught with a gun in there. I just think that's a bit what? risky. What? I'm not okay. kidding. There was okay. a news story okay. a while back. Some dumb chick got... I'm, I'm going to... I'm going to... <laughs> I, I am going to tell you some things okay because you might be horrified by the fact that there was a gun found in a woman's vagina but among the list of things that have been removed from people's anuses in emergency rooms yeah i know i've i've seen a hundred a hundred and seventeen sewing needles light bulbs right a toolbox. A toolbox. That's terrifying. Oh, I, I, like that's it, it. That is an absolute like. How the hell do you fit that up in there? Um, that's just that's that's fucked up. Yeah. But, no. This is the shit that you learn when you read Adams straight dope. Yep. Now uh, somebody was asking. So I opened up the story. The gun that she held was a loaded pistol. Oh my god. She stuck okay, a but was load, the loaded off? pistol in her pooter. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, considering that it, it moves around when you walk a little bit, I would say it wouldn't matter if it was on or off when she put it in there. It's, she, she was, um, there, she was unprotected. There's a minor risk that it could be taken off. Um, there's also the, you know, fact that it's a lubricated environment. But yeah. that's a like this is a little bit off topic and everything. But that's like, so when I when I say I hope women will um, end the practice of abortion themselves, this is not something I expect to happen quickly, because there are women who are that stupid. So I, I'm, to be realistic, yeah, um, I, I understand that this may be a long-term wish, and it might take 50 years of people being continuing to be stupid about it. But that's a, I think that's the better pathway to that situation. But I want to get back into the uh, the concept of uh, the standard itself, because if we look at this, and as I as I pointed out in the opener, here we have an ideological group that has articulated uh, in, in multiple instances, like obviously the one that probably comes to mind first for a lot of people is an, Anita Sarkeesian and her, her claims of having a, a mass harassment campaign, facing a mass harassment campaign. The earliest one that I can think of in terms of modern pop culture shit 
is the uh, the chicks that tried to introduce a, a woman on currency in the UK who who got Twitter to create the report button for your Twitter account by claiming to be the victims of a mass harassment campaign. It turns out the vast majority of the discussion for both those cases was just criticism of their arguments. And then there were a couple of people who said things that should be criticized as as uh, abusive. And then in the UK instance, there was one guy who broke the law with respect to how he treated the, the woman making those arguments, uh, but not, as they claimed, uh, an actual harassment campaign. So they just treat people arguing with them in mass when they make assertions, we have to change society or this environment or that, that activity in this way to suit us. And people argue with them, that's labeled a harassment campaign. But this guy's career was targeted with a campaign, an orchestrated campaign, not a bunch of people who all just got mad that he was getting uh, appointed and and uh, spontaneously made allegations, but an orchestrated campaign with people trying to coordinate and, and people trying to push other people to change their story based on what the, what the goal was, uh, with, with uh, politicians looking for, there were actually people offering money for someone to accuse uh, Kavanaugh. And yeah. they don't consider yeah. that a harassment campaign? That's I know. sexual it's, it's, harassment. It is. It's, you know, like I, I've often made the, you know, sort of the, the, the I guess the uh, argument that uh, false allegations of domestic violence are a form of domestic violence. Um, Philip Davies repeated that at uh, ICMI 19 this year, that he wants false allegations of domestic violence to be considered a form of domestic abuse. Um that this would be just. I think he's absolutely right. Um, you're you're literally looking at just because all she did was pick up a phone and lie, doesn't mean that guy wasn't roughed up, cuffed, and then locked away in in a room for a length of time uh, illegally on no legitimate basis for no legitimate reason because she wanted to abuse him, right? And so this idea of, you know, because there's a proxy involved, because all that Anita, Sar Anita Sarkeesian didn't shut anybody's channel down, she just complained she endured targeted harassment. And then all of a sudden, um, all of the media was saying, we need to shut these people down, right? Um, nobody, just because Christine Blasey didn't grab Kavanaugh's junk doesn't mean she didn't freaking abuse him sexually. She did. She essentially said, um, it, well, at least in my opinion, things that were not true about him that reflect on his sexual behavior and his character, right? Um, that, that, that interfered with his life, that could have ruined his career, all of them, and for political reasons, for political reasons, because Roe v. Wade. Yeah, and listen, the reason that the Kavanaugh appointment got so much attention, one, because Trump, it was his his selection, right? So that he's he's got the Trump stink on him forever. But 
just think about it. If this was, if he wasn't going for a, a seat on the Supreme Court, if he was just another guy, those allegations would have stuck. You know, there would be no way for him to, because it was so public. If he was just a fry cook. Yeah. Then if, if, the, be, if the FBI hadn't already done Yeah. You know, the other yeah. the other aspect of this, like the fact that they would have stuck, the fact that his career would have been ruined, uh, the fact that in some instances, you know, this this can result in charges and jail and everything, uh, very certainly uh, an, an aspect of harassment. But there's also the psychological thing. Yeah. Imagine if you worked very hard to get through law school, which is no small feat. And you worked very hard to pass the bar, which is no small feat. And you worked as, as uh, an attorney. You worked in law for years and years. You worked as a judge. You managed to become a judge, which is also no small feat. And each of these are prestigious things. They are respectable things. They're very dignified positions. Right? You don't see judges uh, on, on, on Twitter making arguments in in net speak and you know like like a teenager would you don't see judges getting into fistfights in bars you don't see judges you know acting the fool in public right because they are expected to maintain a constant and consistent level of public composure and respectability and everyone in the country is discussing this composed, respectable, dignified man's genitals. How humiliated he must be. What a rotten, abusive thing to do to him just over something like political disagreement. Not because he actually did anything to anyone, but because they don't like he, who he is associated with politically. And these are people who wouldn't even have questioned his appointment if Obama had been the one to put him up for office. Exactly. Yeah, and Obama's pick, Garland Merrick, I believe, right? The the, the guy that Obama picked to fill uh, Justice Scalia's position uh, instead of uh, Gorsuch, right? Um, apparently... Brett Kavanaugh agreed with Merrick on something like 95 to 97% of all of the decisions coming out of the, the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals. So he was sitting on the same bench as Garland Merrick. And, uh, or Merrick Garland? Fuck, I can't tell. Why do people give their kids two last names? <laughs> um, but um, you, you literally had 95 to 97% agreement on all the decisions between these two judges, right? Between Obama's pick that would have gone in if, uh, if uh, Obama had been able to fill Scalia's seat um, and the one that Trump picked after... Uh, after Gorsuch, uh, you know, after Kennedy retired, Kennedy retired, right? I can't keep track of it. Yeah, All I yeah. know is Bader Ginsburg alive. I, we've seen her moving, but I think he had 
bad. Well, the point the point I was basically making is that uh, you know even if he has not faced the uh, the the repercussions that your average guy would would face in this instance, in that he you know he had the entire nation. Uh, looking at it from a due process angle and stuff like that, um, there there are things that a a famous man or powerful man, a bigger target, basically, there are things that he will experience that, you know, the guy down the street from you, everybody in the country might not be talking about his genitals. He'll have yeah. Uh, oh yeah. His repercussions that he faces are terrible. His the the fact that he is at a much higher risk of being jailed on a flimsy allegation. I mean, here in Dayton, you can accuse a guy of of behavior that requires him to have three hands and get him convicted. Uh, yeah. But uh, but you don't have the entire nation discussing his genitals in in conjunction, not just in spite of, but in conjunction with. A, his his professional position that expects him or or creates the expectation for him I should say uh, to be publicly measured and dignified and respectable and that is the thing that people have paid it like people have heard the word penis in relation to Brett Kavanaugh more I think than they have heard the the title Supreme Court Justice because when the left discusses him, they don't use that title, and very often when the right discusses him, they don't make up for it by emphasizing that title. And so, what you get is Kavanaugh and penis. I mean, again, and, and this is a father. He's a father of daughters, so here his daughters are hearing penis in relation to his name in public a lot. It's It's gotta be, that's, it's not necessarily equivalent in any way to being put in jail, but it's a repercussion that I think is kind of unique to men that are well-known uh, to yeah. have that kind of public humiliation, that nationwide, international, in fact, in his case, public humiliation. And yeah. if he were female, and say he was uh, something equivalent to this happened to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, the there, there would be lynch mobs. Who, uh, against the, the accusers. There will be lynch mobs against people who put her through an experience like this because she's a young, attractive woman. Yeah. You know, uh, maybe she has ginormous eyes that are a little scary, but, like, she still looks neotenous and, and people will want to protect her if they are at all sympathetic to her. And and yeah. he doesn't have any of that. Uh, so, yeah, de definitely a very unequal standard there. I mean, and I think that, you know, it's it's enough that he has to deal with this situation, you know, this the, this allegation being levied against him that he then has to now disprove somehow because it happened how many decades ago. But on top of that, now he has to go back and have conversations with his family you know, hopefully his family knows him and loves him enough to not believe it or, you know, know that he, he's not that kind of person. But he also has his two daughters. Now he has to explain this to. And they're not they're not like babies. They're not toddlers. These young girls are very aware of what's going on. They probably have a very good understanding of the Internet culture. Um, 
you know, I, I don't know any child around 10 years of age that doesn't know how to use my iPhone better than I do, <laughs> you know? So it, it, it's just another level. Like it, it's, it's enough. If he had no wife and no kids, it's enough of a situation for him to have to deal with and process. But now he has to then turn around and explain this to his daughters. You know, how tough of a situation is that? H how do you, how do you explain to them that, you know, these malicious people are just trying to make sure that daddy doesn't get a job because of politics, you know, and it's not even his politics. It's, it's literally just because Trump was the one to, to, you know, suggest him for the appointment. And again, if it was Obama, no one would be talking about this man. <laughs> it would not be this, this big of a controversy, but here we are, and he's got to deal with this. It's, it's just unfair all around. You know, historically, this has been a, an, an issue. I mean, if you go back to the Clarence Thomas allegations, it was the same thing. There was this huge, massive circus around these allegations, which which turned out to be blatantly false. And not only were, were the discussions around it very undignified for him, very um, embarrassing for him. And I mean, Clarence Thomas is a man who just radiates dignity. You, know, you walk into a room that, that, that this man is in, everything around you or he walks into a room that you're in everything around you becomes more more dignified that 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 just like just watching him go through that was painful just because of that aspect of it and and his accuser um uh hill anita hill made a career out of whining about her accusation not being accepted and the details of it being questioned and the flaws in it being challenged and uh the fact that people didn't ignore the fact that it was a lie like that's her her entire career just about is poor me i lied to get about a guy and nobody believed me and it didn't work and it didn't keep him out of office and i i wouldn't be surprised to see some of kavanaugh's accusers doing the same thing and you know, Clarence Thomas has had throughout his entire career that on the side. That there's this woman running around repeating a conclusively disproved allegation. Like, her accusation came from a porn movie. Uh, and, and it was conclusively disproved. It wasn't her original story. It was some porn porn movie plot. Uh, I mean, if, if you're going to borrow a plot from a movie, that's really dumb, because, I mean, <laughs> porn doesn't exactly have a reputation for uh, solid plot lines. Um, but in any case, it just the uh, the stupidity of that, having to be attached to, to the stupidity of that throughout his entire career, uh, again, you know, that's that's absolutely a form of abuse against this person. And, uh, I would agree. Yeah, it, I, because it's the it's the kind of it's the kind of stink you just can't get rid of. It will follow you forever because of the fact that if a, a man is accused of doing something to a woman, then there will be people who will just believe it. 
You know, no matter what, it doesn't matter what these this guy says, he's still guilty because it's something that happened to a woman. Now, reverse the situations, and of course, that does not happen. You know, th these women get, uh, you know, like all these teachers that get... <laughs> I don't even want to say that they get sent to jail because you don't see these teachers who rape their young male students. They, you know, it, it, they really, if they get punished, what is it? Maybe, maybe they're on probation, but you don't hear about it after that. It just, it just goes away. And the social conscious, like, just forgets about it. When a woman is the perpetrator of these, these things, it's just, it's, it's smoothed over and just made to go away. But when it's a man who's accused of it, you never hear the fucking end of it. Yeah, no, not only do you never hear the fucking end of it, but he's the bad guy for proving her wrong. If, uh, if it turns out that he's innocent... And um, it's the more he's victimized comes her. out... Yeah, he's victimized her by not being guilty... Uh, yeah. Hell, you know, during that the seven years in hell case, the uh, the victim in that case, um, he, I mean, this guy, this poor guy, went through a shitload of things. Like you guys would not believe how it was almost like watching the biblical experiences of Job in real life, as he's going through this ordeal of false allegations and repeated wrongful. Uh, arrest that that wasn't labeled arrest, uh, but had all the hallmarks of arrest. Right? He uh, he ends up with a hernia, so he has to have hernia surgery, and he has to recover from that. Um, his he has uh, uh, two other health problems: he's got diabetes and he's asthmatic, and those uh, escalated because of the stress. Um, then, in the middle of everything. He recovers from the uh, the hernia, and he gets cancer. He had um, uh, uh, lymph cancer, and uh, like he had he had a year of chemo and a year of of being monitored uh, from from the chemo. And he uh, <laughs> one of the allegations was disproved by the fact that he was knocked out. Uh, with on pain medicine on his couch after uh, you know recovering from hernia surgery, so he did not in fact approach her at a bus stop and get kicked in the nuts three times and run off. Um, <laughs> run after getting kicked in the nuts three times, yeah. Uh, and I mean, you know, there was that. Then there was the 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 dealing with the cancer. Uh, he had all those appointments and he had. I mean, chemo. You you know you go in regularly and you have to be at a facility to get the treatment and everything she accused him in court in all seriousness articulated it as a serious accusation of getting cancer to abuse her and to obtain the court sympathy because getting you know people just own the libs <laughs> no she accused him of getting cancer in order as as a as a get out of account of it he's go he, he's he only got cancer because he wants to uh torment me and and he wants to uh get out a responsibility for the things that i've accused him of that you know that was that was actually a real piece of courtroom testimony that the that a judge had to sit and listen to 
and, and not laugh at and not laugh at <laughs> like that is the level of uh victim signaling that false accusers will go to and the level of demonization that you see uh targeting accused men how dare he get cancer now it's harder for me to lie about him and be taken seriously that's the logic I don't know. This entire thing drives me crazy. You know, like that, that it is, it was Alan Dershowitz who said, that not even defense. Therefore, if you even say I didn't do it, you're abusing a woman, right? That that's literally what that means. Saying I didn't do it is abusing a woman being able to prove that you didn't do it to a judge or a jury means you have denied justice that that it's it's like it's like an autumn it's like it's the assumption it's the assumption that if she said it happened it happened and it happened exactly the way she said it she couldn't be misremembering she couldn't have you know kind of uh, murky memories where she reconstructed events and you know after she woke up next to him the next day and thought I never would have had sex I never would have had sex with him if I wasn't drunk right she assumes in her in the privacy of her own thoughts therefore I didn't consent because because lord knows lord knows alcohol doesn't inhibit your judgment Right? It doesn't cause you to make stupid decisions. Um, yeah, and consent to them. And, like, I, I'm looking at it like, okay, I was drunk once when I was, like, 17 years old, and I was about to graduate. We went to a party, and and uh, we, when we were walking home, we walked past uh, the vice principal's house, and uh, he was my disciplinarian, and I had a rocky relationship with him. Um, and, uh, some friends of mine dared me to shit on his lawn at two o'clock in the morning. And I thought about it. I kind of said, yeah. Yeah, I want to shit on this guy's lawn. But then I was like, okay, but if I get caught, that'll be a problem. Right? So I didn't do it. But I was thinking about it, and you know why? Because I'd had too much to drink. And somehow, somehow, if I'd shit on his lawn, I would have been guilty of some kind of public mischief or some kind of trespassing, all that shit. I would have, I would have been in trouble, right? But if I had decided in that moment, if my friends had said, why don't you go and hit him sack? And I had decided to go hate fuck my vice principal, who I detested and who I'm sure felt similarly about me, I, I would be able to accuse him of committing a crime. Yep. And that's like the one instance when women don't have accountability uh, while drunken men, men do. No, actually, there's a few. Um, but that is the, the one instance where it is very starkly divided. 
if you look at the the Brock Turner case, both of them, their levels of intoxication were both at the uh, at the uh, level that is characterized as being unable to appraise your actions. Both of them. Then she passed out uh, in the middle of of their fumbling in in an alley, and he was too drunk to notice. There and you that go. made him. So that's what they're, made him they're, technically they're both, a sexual assailant. Yeah, he w- it made him responsible for both his actions and right. But the really thing is, what it is, yeah. And and the thing is, um, if it had been the other way around, we know that's not the case because Amy Schumer bragged about the same thing. Only she was sober in her story, uh, and. It's been pointed out to me. We don't know if she was making that up or not, and that's that's fair. Nobody, you can't trust. I mean, women wear fake boobs. They wear fake colors on their faces. They have fake hair color. They wear shoes to artificially make them taller. They, well, uh, was, you know, and make their baby. butts look nicer. But all but, of that and stuff it was right? also so, part of a. Yeah, so I mean, and it was part of a comedy routine. So it's entirely possible that her story was fake. But if a man told that story and the sexes were reversed. And he Yeah, she kept passing about... out. She kept passing out. And I kept having to wake her up and put her mouth back on my fucking dick. Yeah, I, I, that would absolutely, absolutely be demonized. People would be saying, that's not funny. But when Amy Schumer did it, they said, oh, how stunning and brave she is. This is inspiring for anybody that has low self-esteem. Yeah, and how brave of her to actually talk about the situation she's so brave yeah. oh yeah no you know who else is brave cardi b is super brave oh she God. talked about how she used to you know she Drug used guys to be a them? stripper yeah she used to be a stripper she'd take guys back home from sex and she would drug them and rob them yeah totally brave yeah definitely drugging brave. somebody into uh incapacitation is an act of courage and Total then stealing their proof. shit. Yeah. Yeah. And stealing their shit while they're passed out. Yeah. And and then like, oh my god, that there are two female MPs in Britain who have been called on the carpet uh by the police for domestic violence, right? Mm. Who've said who've who've gone on the record and said, Well, you know, it was a mutual argument and things got out of hand i'm not very proud of myself the fact that i beat my fucking husband with the computer that you know we i was hunting for or whatever um whatever it was right um it's it wasn't my proudest moment to physically assault my husband until the police called by other parties but you know, um, well, you know, we broke up, and and uh, now my new guy, and so uh, just don't look too closely at it. And um, and and everybody like oh, stunning and brave for you to own up and take accountability for your actions. Yeah. And I'm like, are you kidding, bitch? Because if if that had been the reverse. You'd have been drummed out of fucking parliament. You drummed out of your party. You might be facing jail time. Mm-hmm. 
Well, hell, accountability. Do they call it accountability when she just admits to it? Because if if yeah. she were a man, if she were male, accountability would be you. You serve time for this because that's what I don't. That's what I don't know this. about that. You know, if it was I'm, a criminal looking... act, you know, if it was if it was something that could be defined as a criminal act, it would be you serve time. If it wasn't something that was could be defined as a criminal act, it would be you resign from your position in shame. Yeah. You you're yeah, not well, accountable I... if you don't do those because men are held to that that standard. Oh, and, men, men, yeah. not all men, not all men. I don't know. I see lots of excuses being made for Justin Trudeau well, and his three, three incidents of blackface since 2001. Right. <laughs> um, you know, like, I, I'm just like, uh, you yeah. know, by the way, people I, and, knew and that I, was racist in happy. the 90s. I'm happy. I'm happy to forgive somebody who did blackface in the 1990s or in 2001 or even in 2011 or even in 2015. I'm, I'm okay with that. As long as those are the stand, as long as the standards that they hold are the standards that Andrew Scheer holds, who's the leader of the conservative party, which is okay. There are things that are not acceptable now that were considered acceptable back then. Right. And so we can't, there has to be a statute of limitations here on social behavior, you know, given what things were considered acceptable back then. We can't judge things people said or did 15 years ago based on standards today, which are much tighter, much, much harsher, right? He, he's like, yeah, no, fine. But then he came out and he's being called, he's being called for holding Trudeau to his own fucking standards, right? He's he's essentially saying this is a guy who would drum somebody out of his cabinet if they were caught in blackface in yep. 2001, and yet he was caught in blackface in 2000, uh, and he, he wants us to forgive him. Well, you know, you live by the sword, you die by the sword. I right? do not think and, we should be canceling yeah. people, but I think if if there's going to be a standard under which people are canceled, the people who enforce that standard are subject to it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so, like, I'm I'm with Andrew Scheer. You know, forgive and forget. Uh, never mind the fact that you know Trudeau got off an airplane in India for an official visit dressed in garb, wedding garb from 400 years ago in India, complete with cloth freaking pointy-toed shoes, right? And I'm listening to an Indian journalist uh, interviewed on CBC, which is our sympathetic to the Liberal Party national broadcaster, the equivalent of the BBC, um, and, uh, and or NPR. And they, uh, and the guy says, um, he says, I, I don't I don't know what he was thinking. He got off the plane dressed in something completely inappropriate. Like I'm wearing sketchers. Yeah, that's uh that was quite uh <laughs> and, and that that was one that actually made the rounds in the US. People were looking at that going This guy doesn't what this guy fuck? doesn't have people who uh advise him on that advise stuff. Advise him? Yeah, like, no. He's in that position and nobody nobody said to him, you know, this is probably not the wisest thing to wear. Yeah, it's it's like it's it's probably going to seem inappropriate, in if not insulting, overly enthusiastic. 
or just, just flat out appropriation. Dorky. Just yeah. flat out dorky. Well, car- super dorky. Okay, so cul- cultural appropriation. The people who push the idea of cultural appropriation love Justin push, Trudeau. Also push the idea that things like gender and uh, uh, identity, you know, personal identity and things like that, are social constructs. And therefore, they're not solid, real concepts, and you cannot base any kind of uh, uh, requirements, expectations, condemnations, anything on them, because they're social constructs. But if I try to make, right? if but, I so, try to make a taco, let me, let me finish this. Let me finish this. Fusion right? between the Haida Indian. Karen, let me let me finish this. This is an important point to make, right? So there is nothing that is more a social construct. Than culture. culture. By its very nature, it is a social construct. And yet, what are they doing with the cultural appropriation narrative? Yeah, but it's not basing, fungible. Right, it's not. Yeah. But basing uh, standards and expectations and condemnations of people on the idea that culture is a, some sort of static thing that does not have any any uh, spread outside of its own little unique uh, ecosystem, its own group of people, and that you can't learn culture from other people, that you cannot enjoy aspects of other people's culture unless you do it their way, with their permission, permission and the social justice warrior's permission. How hypocritical. Another yeah. standard. There oh. is no yeah. such thing as cultural appropriation. There can't be because culture is a social construct. Yeah, no. And if I if I go in and create a taco that's like, um, it, it's it's got salsa, it's got guacamole, it's got sour cream, it's also got smoked salmon and salal berries because I really like the indigenous uh, diet. Um, I really think that's cool, you know, and olefins. Um, on the the coast of of British Columbia, um, I, I'm I'm guilty of something, right? Or if I'm a white person who makes a pho restaurant, or you know, if I'm if I if I make foods that integrate two separate culinary cultures into one beautiful mouthgasmic experience, right? I'm I'm horrible, particularly if uh, if I am not a member of either of those cultures uh, by my uh, place of birth and my ethnicity and and my race, right? right? It's it's getting insane. It's getting insane, and yet yet hey, you can you can be a woman with a penis, and you can <laughs> be a man with a vagina. Exactly. It's, that's fine. That's a free for all, right? And you can be somebody with a vagina or a penis who is not a sexual being at all. Do not have a sex or asexual or agender, non-binary or you can you can wear lipstick and have a beard and use the ladies room, right? To stand up and pee, right? That that's that's what you can do right now. But yeah, it's, but it's- Heaven forfend you wear a Nehru collar while not being Indian. Exactly. It's it's these same people that preach this inclusivity on the basis of gender that are the same ones who will come after you if you quote unquote culturally appropriate something else. 
you know, I'm sorry. I have, I know people from many different countries. I, I was given, um, you know, traditional Pakistani uh, clothing. So it was a gift to me. Does that mean that if I wear it, that now I'm trying to be Pakistani? No, not at all. It means that I was given a gift and I appreciate it. I appreciate it so much that I'm willing to wear it out in public. It doesn't mean that I'm trying to now pretend to be something that I'm not, you know, and I, I just don't get it. You want people to be inclusive. Everybody has to be inclusive of everyone else. You have to, you have to tolerate people, you know, from every walk of life. Fine. I'm totally fine with that. But then when I choose to eat Indian food or I choose to wear, you know, non-traditionally non-American clothing, you know, if, if that even makes sense, you know, or I'm, I'm. Dungarees are the only <laughs> Dungarees. That's all we're allowed to. Yeah. Dungarees exactly. and t-shirts. Everything else was borrowed from somebody else. And, you know, we're just going to have to live with it. I'm happy with it. Oh, wife beaters are uh, also traditionally American, and I'm happy with that, too. But, well, you know, and, like... Uh, people from all over the world... Jeans? Right? Well, Wait, jeans, like, just jeans. I... People from all over the world uh, should not wear jeans if they, if they did not come from either France or America, because uh, jeans are made of denim. And uh, I'm not going to try to pronounce the actual name uh, of the city that the name Denim came from, but it's like, uh, it's, it's pretty much the same uh, word, but two words. And, uh, and, and of course, the pants themselves were created in the U.S. for um, uh, gold miners and were originally made out of canvas. Mm. Uh, and uh, so the style, the clothing style, very American. The fabric, very French. So if you're not French and you're not American and you're wearing blue jeans, don't accuse anybody. Okay, I'm taking off right now. <laughs> um, so there you go. Everybody I just, gets the I just picture Karen know, taking does, her jeans off. And the other thing where is... Where do skinny jeans fall in? Because I, I would really love to ban skinny jeans on men. Can we, like, actually do a cultural appropriation thing, that campaign that will um, make men stop wearing skinny jeans? I don't mind possible? skinny jeans on men. I, every style of, of jeans that is in existence looks good on men to me so there's that um i i think uh the characteristics associated with a lot of skinny jean wearing men eh, maybe not so great but the jeans themselves yeah. pretty pretty great in my opinion yeah. i just want to point I'm, something I'm... else out though nobody nobody should accuse anybody of cultural appropriation with pizza in their mouth and yeah. that's not because they're appropriating italian culture but because pizza is a an example of the benefits of cultural appropriation and depending mm -hmm. on how you think of it if, if you think of it as flatbread cooked in an oven well then you're appropriating uh middle eastern culture if you uh you know ancient ancient uh babylonians egyptians uh you know frit flatbread baked in mud ovens uh if you think of it as having toppings well that's greeks and and romans uh, and if I remember correctly, also the Chinese, if you require it specifically to have tomato sauce and mozzarella cheese, well, then you're then you're looking at uh, Italians. Uh, well, but, no, uh, but you're not looking at Italians because Italians. Did
the um the tomatoes one that seen... didn't happen tomatoes didn't happen until the new world that's true tomatoes that's true. were thought of as being poisonous among italians until they you know realized that oh shit um you know spain went and and looked at the new world and they're like oh these people are eating tomatoes yeah well that's I, true like, that's even... true but the first yeah, but uh, person to to make the actual dish the person who's credited with it is actually uh if i remember correctly italian um oh i'm sure that, that probably neapolitan or sell, something yeah uh, uh, naples uh, to sell flatbreads yeah. with toppings that was that was italian I mean, but there's even there's even different cultures do that, right? There's there's uh, it's called lamajun. It's a Turkish dish. It's mm -hmm. basically a pizza. It's the dough with you know the I think it's like traditionally it's like lamb that they put on top of it, but it's basically a pizza. Yeah, and of course, when I was in Denmark, and a thin sliced piece of rye bread with mackerel and tomato sauce on it, and a a raw egg yolk broken over top and that was an open face sandwich otherwise known as a unbaked pizza mm -hmm. so yeah the, the the whole cultural appropriation thing if you hold them to their standards regarding uh regarding that issue again it's 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 bull and they wouldn't be able to live up to it and and then when you connect these two things right so there are people who have obviously there i'm not going to say there are not people who've been through sexual assault am i um that's that's not a culture it's an experience uh and in, and it's uh it it does impact your life um i i don't think it's as life changing as feminists try to make it out to be and i've actually been not just criticized but verbally attacked for that multiple times uh, and even ordered to feel victimized, more victimized than I do. Oh, um, God. But, yeah. like, seriously, ordered to be broken. Yeah. For their political, right? But that's a form of appropriation. Especially when you have a liar who uses it as a weapon and targets somebody uh, and says, you know, I, I expect to be treated as a broken person and and you can't question me because I'm broken that's what it's like to be a victim of sexual assault and you can't question that because I'm making this accusation uh, so therefore torpedo this guy that's yeah. a form of appropriation that's an appropriation of the experiences of actual victims to use as political fodder yeah there you go anyway um, I have to get going pretty quick, uh, so let's let's get back on the topic of Kavanaugh. Yep. Well, um, before we do, uh, the thing you're going to do is it a, is it going to be a, uh, a publicly posted discussion and stuff? Uh, something that you oh, can plug? It, it will it will be publicly posted. I I have to uh, in about Hannah's referring to in about twenty minutes. I have to go uh, on Skype and do an interview with somebody i'm not going to say who um as yet but it will be posted on my channel tomorrow um and uh there's somebody who has their own me too story to tell so and so yeah that that was i booked that without realizing that the 19th thursday so it happens but oh, well. uh, I wanted to make sure it got shilled because it sounds like it's going to be a very interesting discussion. And I think uh, yeah. our listeners should 
take the take the opportunity to hear it. Um, well, you'll definitely the listeners will definitely recognize him, not, but certainly by face. All right, I'm just gonna say that. So, so there we go. Shilling without shilling. Well, you know, um, I'm gonna go ahead and start our super chats. Uh, just okay. because Karen, Karen's going to be going. We don't have a lot of Super Chats to go through, but I wanted to make sure to get to them because I don't want to forget. Um, at the beginning of the show, actually during the opener, which I apparently started like five minutes early because my computer lied to me about what time it is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, actually both of my computers are lying to me about what time it is. One of them says it's five minutes earlier than the other one and ten minutes earlier than my phone says. And I think part of it is a part of the problem is that I've been having internet connection problems here, and so then they're trying to sync up with something and failing. But in any case, my phone, my phone still thinks I'm in New. Oh, right geez. now, according to my phone, it's eight forty-one p.m. Even though it's six forty-one, and also uh, frequently my computer says it's December thirty-first, two thousand and one. I am looking at the computer that lied to me about what time it is, and it has fixed itself. Like it, okay. it. I don't know when the time on it flipped, but it is now five minutes faster than it was before. It is on time. That's well, there. You go. Well, I'm Karen, still gonna figure Karen, it out. If but if uh, your phone's still on East Coast time, that means that's where you're supposed. There we go. You if know, you belong, that that means you're just gonna have to to move. Um, yes. All right. At during that during that early part of the show, French Honey Badger gave us five dollars and says, "I approve of the Hungarian Rhapsody Number no. Two by Liszt as a background music." And I, yes. I I will confess that I uh, rearranged it a bit for that, but I picked it specifically because of how many cartoons it's been used in, and honestly, this situation has gotten cartoonish. Yeah. So that's that was my my reason for picking that music. I just this subject when I listened to my opening monologue before I put the cartoon music behind it, which you know it's not cartoon music, but it's used in so many cartoons, it's recognizable cartoon music, right? It just was so enraging that it my my gut hurt by the time I got done listening to it, and I thought I've I've got to uh, cushion this, or it's going to just it's going to be too much because this is just stupid. Like we've gotten to a point in our society in all seriousness where somebody's lie can be blatant, bald faced, stupid. It's a stupid lie. Like what kind of idiot lies in such a way that not only does the person on whose behalf they're allegedly lying contradict them, but the description that they give is worthy of ridicule and and just pick getting picked apart like that and then and does it publicly and expects to be taken seriously and what kind of people take that seriously what kind of society do we live in that people are taking seriously a lie in which somebody says that somebody pushed somebody's dick into somebody's hand yeah um have you ever tried pushing a chain up the street because <laughs> i don't think it works that way it does not so and like and and steer it too while you're doing it. Make sure you steer that chain that you're pushing up the street. And, yeah, and and I'm sorry, but where is the guy supposedly grabbed his dick and pushed it into someone? Yeah, and <laughs> the whole thing is just, and not only that, but it's it just it sounds like 
you know, the the plot of Porky's Animal 2000. <laughs> yeah. I'm exactly. just sorry. But... Oh, I can, I can imagine something yeah. like that happening. It's I can imagine dumb. dropping trow at a party. Well, yeah, right? I can and imagine somebody dropping trow at a party. And somebody, somebody pushing them into another person so that his penis came into contact with her. Right? But, like, I'm sorry. Do you, Does anybody even fucking know what human beings get up to when they drink and do drugs and attend dorm parties you know oh, like no 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 see i'm sure that these gals went to this party expecting the environment that one might find in an early uh 19th century quilting bee certainly yeah i know, you know it's everybody's like sitting around in their chairs uh with perfect posture holding their drinks carefully with their pinky fingers out speaking in fake british accents and everybody uh, had a know. dance card and the men Mm-hmm. Or, 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 or know, simply... And the chaperones had to approve, and... Yeah, like, I'm, I'm looking at this, like... I've hooked up a lot in my life with guys. It, it's something that happens. It's a dog. I will fucking you. <laughs> but, you know, like, you're, you're looking at this situation where they're... Everybody's drunk out of their minds, and people are looking to hook up, right? They're looking to get some action, right? The women just as much as the men, and the women are plying themselves with alcohol 60% of the time because otherwise they wouldn't have the intestinal or vaginal or ovulary fortitude to actually do what they want to do, right? They set out that evening to have sex. They pre-game before they even arrive at the party so that they're actually they have purposely inhibited their judgment so that they will allow themselves to have sex because that's their goal. And, and I'm like, I'm, I'm listening to this freaking woman. She was like a counselor at a high school or some shit, right? On a TEDx talk. And she says to me, uh, or she says to the, the audience, right? She says, so I get this call from a 14 year old student and she's i asked her how the weekend I, I deal with troubled students i asked her how the weekend went she said oh yeah it was okay and uh and so i said oh what'd you do oh i went to a party i got drunk you know did some things and and she says uh, what things and she's well i i kind of hooked up with this guy you know I wasn't really sure if I actually liked him, so I, I didn't kiss him. I just sucked his dick. Oh, and wow. that's it, that's it. Yeah. Wow. And then this woman, she's like, and I'm really glad it wasn't a video And this girl couldn't see the look on my face. Oh, because the look on my face was completely fucking stunned. Like, you weren't sure if you liked him, so you didn't kiss him. You sucked his dick instead. Yeah, put your mouth on his genitals, and you weren't sure if you liked him. Like, what yeah, kind of mentality? Yeah, and, and it's like, so how how is anybody supposed to navigate this shit? Well, and the other end of it is, besides the fact that it's pretty pretty normal for kids to get up to stupid stuff like that, and 
it's obviously you know if you have teenagers you don't you don't let them go to parties with other kids unless you know that their parents are going to be there or maybe you can chaperone uh, and if you, you're approaching the party and it doesn't look like it's a chaperone party don't feel bad about calling the cops um that's you want you want to prevent stupid things from happening you call the cops I'm, I'm just, teenage drinking I'm is just dumb i'm blown away though but I'm in any blown case away. well i'm blown case, away by this idea by this idea that this kind of stuff doesn't happen at parties right. and that somehow somehow people are supposed to be tra- like the 14 year old girl she's like oh i didn't i wasn't sure if i liked it, so i just sucked his dick i didn't kiss him yeah right but the other you know, thing and- about it is okay so even if it was rare let's say you know most of the time um this stuff wasn't uh, the norm but let's say with this particular group they were a little more rambunctious than everybody else um i believe that was dc washington dc where he grew up uh if i if i remember mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and uh you know washington dc itself as a uh, as a city has a bit of a reputation anyway for being a little more rambunctious um, granted, no, that's it's, it's not necessarily, I and mean, that kind of stuff happens all the time in Ohio, too. It's one of the reasons I didn't go to parties when I was in high school, s- except for one that was chaperoned by my parents and one that was organized as a, hey, is our class able to have fun without getting drunk? Let's find out. Uh, and I left in the middle of that one because some dumbass got out a Ouija board. Um, but and well, okay, I, I, I don't, but... I don't, I don't get into Ouija boards. But in any case, the thing that that really, one of the things that really bugs me about this is, I've had some pretty gross experiences in my life. Right? I mean, I got uh, sick from a mosquito bite when I was twelve. I got something called encephalitis, um, and it it was incredibly painful. But the other thing that happened with it was a very, very high fever that caused uh, me to to reject everything in my system out of every orifice it could come out of like if there was any opening to the inside of my body there was fluid coming out of it whether there was normally supposed to be fluid coming out of it or not and it was gross it was it was horribly gross uh and and then i hear this this person say she's traumatized because of the proximity of a penis i'm sorry it's not that bad um, no. I mean, I'm, I, I'm not going to describe other things that have happened to me that were a lot worse, because I've talked about them, and, 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 and you know, you know, uh, but I've, I've experienced out-and-out violence in relation to a sexual assault. I mean, real, life-threatening, terrifying violence in relation to a sexual, and craziness in relation to a sexual assault. Uh, and, and to hear somebody talk about that experience at a party where wild things happen where you go expecting to have stupid animal house antics that you can laugh at later and to hear somebody make it out to be this traumatic life-altering oh my god this guy should be canceled because this might have happened type of experience i find it deeply insulting yeah i'm not i'm i'm not uh i'd like as somebody who has also experienced sexual assault, um, no, it's 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 it completely different um, from my experience of sexual assault, right? Like, literally, um, you you have to be if you're going to be traumatized by somebody had his dick out and somebody else pushed him in your direction and he bumped into you. 
which uh, which seems to be what the allegation is. Um, so he's just like, hey, lady. Friends push him into Karen, somebody. Karen, you're cutting out. Like, I, I'm just, hey, lady was where you cut out. Yeah. It, hey, ladies, any takers? Right? And then somebody pushes him and he bumps. That seems to be like, I, I can't even fucking grasp how this is a problem. I mean, it's just. Well, it's crass. It's just the problem. I, the big problem crass. I have with it is our society needs to be able to differentiate between crass and catastrophic, right? And yeah. predatory, catastrophic. Yeah, it, you know exactly. There's a it's there's like, a difference. Like, All right, like, you guys. It's like we forgot that that you know alcohol has been around since as you know as as, as early as we figured out what the fuck it was, and that uh, teenagers have raging hormones and have for millennia since we've been around why is this something that's new to anyone why is this like it's a, like we're just awakening to the fact that this happens and this is so this if it even happened uh, a penis was probably thrust in your direction um how i'm sorry decades later how is this so traumatic that it's you're just bringing it up now well that's the other I, thing I, it's not even didn't. her she didn't bring yeah. it up some guy is trying to impose that trauma on her yeah yeah anyway so. i gotta go you guys i have to all right thanks for coming on tonight karen uh all right we'll talk to you, you guys again, hopefully a... next week okay you guys have a good night bye karen and kevin and borat <laughs> oh my god, dogs! <laughs> All right. Bork, bork. Talk to you later. Talk to you later. Um, I, I'm going to point out also, um, and like I said, this, this is, it is crass behavior. Like, if I thought my son was engaging in that kind of behavior, I'd be like, don't. You know, yeah. grow, grow up, okay? But yeah. it, it that doesn't make it the same, anywhere near the same as what they're trying to turn it into. Um, it's the kind yeah. of thing that if you if you were in that situation... And, uh, you know, I haven't been in that situation exactly, but I've been in similar situations. Um, anybody who's seen the movie Waiting with uh, uh, the whole giving people the goat thing and who hangs around with, you know, a fairly immature crowd with a sense of humor and a lot of creativity has been given the goat. Uh, and it's funny. It's funny and, and uh, it, it's not a bothersome experience. Um, you know, you pretend to be bothered by it, but it's really not. Uh, and and it's one of those, the idea that we have to be scandalized and terrorized, terrorized because somebody has uh, uh, shown us a genital is just insulting and stupid. Yeah, it, it really is. You know, um, <clears throat> like even just physical contact, like just, you know, if you if you're walking past someone and you just happen to brush up against another person people are so um you know i guess defensive about that kind of thing I, i'm not that way you know if if i'm walking past someone or if someone's walking past me and they just happen to brush me or or touch me it doesn't offend me it's 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 just the laws of physics we there are two bodies trying to inhabit one specific spot at the same time and you know you brush past me and you might have touched me it's not something that requires like offense 
Um, but that's me, you know, when it comes to things like that, I, I just, I don't, I forgive people. I'm charitable in that way. You know, sometimes things just happen that the other person can't control. And it's not something that means that, that now I have to, uh, you know, strike a, a, a campaign against this guy because accidentally touched me on my boob or my butt you know well and the happens. sad thing is in japan that is happening um there are there are trains just for women buses just for women yeah. in japan because so many women have uh presumed it malicious on crowded buses and crowded trains when somebody's body or somebody's luggage comes into contact with their butt uh, it's crazy, it's, you know, because you know, it's, I'm it's sure there's almost... probably also there are people who are assholes of both sexes yeah. who are probably doing things they shouldn't. And there are probably people picking pockets who are getting presumed, uh, you know, to be sexually uh, interested instead. But yeah. I think a lot of that is probably just this is crowded. People people's bodies are hitting each other and some dipshit, you know, oh, he groped me. He wasn't yeah. even facing you. You know. Yeah, ex exactly. And and the idea just going to separate women from the men or, or you'll have women only cars to assume that there are not women who would also sexually assault you. Yep. There are. It's, yeah. <laughs> there most you know, certainly are. Oh yeah, especially if they're drunk. <laughs> well, or I've or I mean they action. don't even have to be drunk. They just have to be predatory. In fact, yeah. women can feel yeah. very entitled uh, in ways that men are are taught not to. Um, oh, yeah. If you ever go to a Ren fair with a guy in a kilt, you'll see it in action. They will walk up and, uh, you know, do a real Scotsman's check. Um, yeah. You know, are you wearing underwear? Here, let me stick my hand up under your, your kilt to find out. I have seen wow. that. I've witnessed that, witnessed that personally uh, multiple times where I've said, you know, hey, lady, if a guy did that to you, you wouldn't accept it, and right. and they're insulted. Like, how dare you compare it? It's just not the same. Well, yes, it is. Yeah. You know. Yes, it is. And, it exactly is. And and, and you the, have the, the same you have the same gender that gets scandalized if they come into contact with a penis that they don't want to come into contact, but they they feel entitled to come into contact with a penis owned by somebody who doesn't want them touching him. Uh, you know, it's it's a complete double standard there as well. Yeah, it, it's really disgusting. And, you know, I, I, I don't want to throw the blame at the feet of men, but, you know, it, it's like, guys, if you're not speaking up about these things when they happen, then you just kind of set yourself up for it to happen again or to someone else. You know? Well, sometimes guys can't. Sometimes they get in trouble for speaking up. Well, yeah, you I know? know, but again, so, this is this is this is the way our society is. Like, yeah, you know, know you, there's there is the don't put up with that. You don't have to put up with that, and you shouldn't. But mm -hmm. uh, you know, if somebody's going to be um, abusive towards you for not putting up with that, I can't I can't condemn somebody who takes the safer path in a situation yeah. like that either. Um, yeah, no. but yeah, I mean, there are like the basis for some false allegations is that a woman is embarrassed because a guy told her no. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but like, like I've I've worked with one case in particular. I worked with a guy who was being sexually 
asked by another coworker, and he came to me. I guess he, you know, felt comfortable enough talking to me about it. But this woman was just really aggressively approaching him, and I believe he told me that she was actually touching him. Um, you know, but and when when he talked to me, I told him, listen, you have to talk to management. You have to go to HR and say something. He just refused. And now this guy was like 19 years old at the time, um, a Jehovah's Witness. So, you know, he was a virgin. Oh, gosh. And, talking about it would have been hard for him to begin with because oh, it would have yeah. been an embarrassing discussion. Exactly. You know, so it, like I, I kind of felt good that he was comfortable enough to come and talk to me. But, you know, at that time, like I, I was not management. I was in no position to actually do anything about the situation. So the only thing that I could do was tell him, listen, you can't let this go. Um, yeah. But he did. And, you know, it, it, it turned out how it turned out. He, I think he eventually ended up leaving before the other girl, uh, you know, because she, she was still working there. Um, you know, and you know, he she probably moved on to another guy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but it's just, especially when it happens in the place, you know, I understand, guys, if, if something happens to you in real, you know, in, in your day to day life, it, it's hard to speak up about these things because you don't know if anyone's going to believe you. You know, um, well, but and when it happens, you also face repercussions at work. If you're a man, uh, if you try to use human resources the way women use human resources, they see you as a problem and you're more likely to get um, railroaded out of your job. Nobody should yeah. go to human resources without significant documentation, yes. without being prepared to uh, have a backup job ready yeah. you know, in the works. Yeah. And without being prepared to sue the company for wrongful discharge when they when they face retaliation for reporting uh, some sort of abuse, but in yeah. particular, men are are that goes just like triple for men, um, because human resources is designed around the idea that the person most likely to be victimized in a situation like that is going to be female. Yeah. Exactly. And, you know, this is this is why I really try to discourage people with uh, your coworkers. You know, these people are not your friends. They're not, you know, um, you know, I get it. If you're a busy person, you know, and you're looking for, a, a, you know, just someone to spend time with, of course, it's easier to do that when you spend, you know, w with a group of people that you spend most of your time with. But again, if you value your job career, then you should not be hooking up with anyone at work. Well, and... just hooking up never at work anyway. No, um, no, no. You know, I, I, I do know, I do understand people do uh, form relationships at work occasionally. <laughs> And sometimes lifelong relationships. Um, I've even seen people form relationships in the workplace and then go on to leave that workplace together to start their own business. Mm. And, uh, you know, I, I would discourage people from using the workplace as a dating pool. 
Yeah, but if you're in a no. situation where you really um, click with somebody and you have the same values and it looks like this is the person and they're responding as if you're the person, you know, that 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 you can form a lifelong bond with, that's a different story. Uh, yeah. And, and especially, like, if the workplace isn't, so, you know, you could take or leave this job, but you would be really heartbroken if you lost this person. Um, that's that's definitely a different situation, but definitely oh. don't use the, the workplace as a dating pool. But yeah. on to the next um, super chat. French Honey Badger gave us another $5 and said, quote, conservatives are progressives going the speed limit, end quote, dash Michael Malice. And that's, yeah, I, I would say that's a pretty good descriptor, especially considering the fact that there are, I, I've run into progressive conservatives that are out and out progressive conservatives. Um, they don't necessarily want to have everything addressed with law, but they have progressive values. They 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 agree with progressives on right and wrong in society, on moral issues, on everything, and they just don't necessarily think that we need the the uh, federal government controlling it. Uh, you should just know better. Um, and that's that's basically, and and I've got a, I've got a lot of friends that are you know in various ways, um, I I would say conservative progressives, but uh, you, you piss off both conservatives and progressives by applying that label. Yeah, yeah. There's there's no way that that's a fine line to walk, and you know you're just gonna piss everybody off on both sides, um, because. God forbid someone have different values, even though they might agree on certain principles. Right. You know, it's it's um very uh, very different from being a traditionalist conservative. Um, it's yeah. different from being constitutionalist conservative, but it's a it's a real thing. Uh, Black Knight Fool has pointed out in Canada we only have progressive conservatives. So uh, mm -hmm. obviously, you know, there's. Uh, there's that. So it's not just the U.S. that that's happening in. Uh, Tyler Preston gave us $5 and said, Roe versus Wade ruling was started by a lie. Roe herself said that she lied about being raped and that she did. She said uh, she just wanted to be able to, to, to have the abortion. And of course, she's yeah, come out I, since and, and condemned everything about it. She's she's yeah. very unhappy with what happened and is now a pro-life campaigner. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's so crazy. I just watched a video about that, and it's so crazy. You know, everyone is in a frenzy about Roe versus Wade, and oh my God, we can't have. But even Roe, <laughs> yep, even she says that she wished that it never happened. Well, and so I, you know, I think what it is is a lot of young women don't think the issue through. And so they are very passionately pro, uh, pro abortion. They consider themselves to be pro choice. They want the option open, and they think that there's nothing wrong with using it. And then when they hit a level of maturity, they a lot of them don't necessarily like. I think a lot of people land close to, maybe not exactly where I am, but close to where I am, where they would simply say, um, "We don't need an authority uh, determining this." But we do need women to grow up and and recognize the fact that having an abortion is a very bad idea. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I, I think what happens with a lot of young people is that, you know, you're trying to figure out your body and how it works. 
And I think, I think, because I, I think I maybe might have been thinking down this, this path of reasoning, but um, I think some young people just want to see what their bodies can do. <laughs> you know, they want to see, is this how I get pregnant? Oh, okay, well, here I am and I'm pregnant. Wait, <laughs> that means that then I have to be responsible for this this life that I'm creating um, just because I wanted to have some fun and, you know, figure out, what, <laughs> can I do this? And yes, I can. And now, he you know, I think, but, I think most unwed pregnancy isn't that well thought out. It's, it's mostly pretty haphazard. Um, yeah. And I don't think <laughs> there's a lot of things gals don't take into consideration, uh, including whether or not the father wants to be a part of the, the situation. Uh, a lot yeah. of gals just don't care. Um, which no. like I advocate and, and I will always advocate 100% I am pro reproductive rights for men. I think men should have mm -hmm. the right to paternal surrender. Yes. I wouldn't advise it to any guy. I think giving up your, your, uh, relationship to your child is a huge loss and I wouldn't wish it on anyone, but you have the right to do it, uh, ethically, morally, whatever, um, speaking your right to do it shouldn't be infringed any more than a woman's right to do uh, do that via safe haven abandonment. Uh, yeah. But I think a lot of gals just don't consider that. Um, and I think well, the other end of it is they don't consider the importance of the father. They don't consider how, how uh, much he might uh, value his relationship with the child. And they're willing to put him in a position where he is unable to have that relationship. And so men, um, as much as I, I absolutely 100% will stand behind saying, I support paternal surrender. You still want to protect yourself from ever having to make that decision. Just yeah. like I, uh, I don't think the law is the best way to deal with abortion. But I think women need to grow the fuck up and stop killing their babies and be adult enough to make that decision without having to have some authority come along and say, killing your baby is bad and you're not allowed to do it, right? I don't think that it is unreasonable to say, you absolutely have the right, uh, uh, at least on paper, and it should be a legal right. You absolutely should have the legal right to paternal surrender but you absolutely have the responsibility to protect yourself as best you can from ever having to make that that uh decision because it's a shitty decision to have to make exactly exactly and it's not just your it's it's not just your decision oh, uh, god but so have you seen just to take it to the flip side have you seen um this uh breeder fetish oh god no it's been going around yes there are couples who are admitting to um, that the fact that they intentionally get pregnant and have abortions multiple times, multiple times. Um, God, I, I, I okay, can't that remember. just flat out pisses me off. Yeah, no, it's disgusting. It is disgusting. There was one story, and you know, of course, these are all people saying, you know, they're, they're telling their story. So who knows, you know, the the uh, accuracy of, of any of it, you know, if it's, it's real well, or not. Well, are they telling but, it on a talk show? Because a lot of those are just flat out fake. 
No, 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 no. These are people uploading their stories onto the internet, like, like typing out, yes, my, this is our seventh pregnancy. And I love the way my, when she's pregnant and it is a, abortion is their form of birth control, quote unquote, birth control. That is insane. It Uh, is disgusting. It is disgusting. You know, they would not be able to do that if uh, there were not so many women having abortions because they were careless and got pregnant. Uh, that that they're that these clinics are are financially supported enough to stay in business. There wouldn't yeah. be enough clinics uh, to support that kind of a fetish. Exactly, exactly. So. You know, but you know, if if you want to spend these, never a customer. <laughs> um, however much it costs to get it done, I mean, they're only looking for the money. They they. That's... I don't think any any Planned Parenthood is going to turn away a, a woman in search of an abortion. Nope. And it is, uh, that's just a disgusting use of it. Um, I think that's, God, that's got to be rare. I hope it's rare. Uh, let me, let me leave it at that. I hope it's rare. Um, well, I mean, of course, it, it's an extreme thing, you know. Again, it's a fetish. It's it's not something. It's not like ten percent of the population. It's probably less than half of a percent, but maybe even less than that. But still, it exists. Yeah, you know, and it just it just really highlights the the attitudes that we have surrounding abortion. And um, I, I again, this is another reason that I don't think that we are ever going to see women standing up in numbers and saying this is wrong you know and this needs to stop i mean i, I well, think information actually is- most pro-lifers are women uh the majority i should say it's more than half not necessarily a significant amount more than half but more than half of pro-lifers are women mm. uh so it's there are women standing up in numbers and saying it's wrong it's just that uh not enough <laughs> uh, the well the, our society one, one of the problems we have in our society is that People who uh, advocate irresponsibility and lack of accountability for women in women's name are the ones that people listen to when they say, we speak for women. Mm-hmm. And people who advocate for accountability and responsibility in women's name. Uh, nobody nobody listens when when we say, no, they don't speak for women. We speak for a segment of women, the segment right. of women that are adults like not just in name only and uh and that nobody nobody uh listens to us even when we just say we speak for ourselves Mm -hmm. so we have there's a political uh hurdle for us to get over in in getting people to understand that there are a body of women out there that are mature enough to uh expect to to uh engage in a better degree of behavior and I mean, a lot of it's like my level of maturity came from learning from my mistakes mm-hmm. the hard way. I, I call it the school of self-inflicted hard knocks, right? I'm not going to say nobody ever did anything rotten to me, but there I can't go back in my life and come up with a, a very large number of situations where somebody did something rotten to me that I didn't make myself vulnerable to it. 
by yeah. making a, a choice that was really dumb. Uh, so yeah, self-inflicted hard knocks is a pretty good, um, pretty good descriptor for for that. It's that that you won't do that again, will you? Teaching moment, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and I just I I think that women are capable if if society would not coddle them. Yes. Um, even if it's it doesn't even have to be all of society. Like if you have five friends and at least two of them will will look at you and say boy that was really dumb you shouldn't do that again mm -hmm. you you have enough to to develop a level of maturity just based on you're going to have more respect for those two because you're going to see them having more success you know yeah. and it, it, that's all it really takes in a person's life is to have somebody they respect turn around and say gosh that was not a good idea maybe you shouldn't do that again even if they don't make fun of it for it even if they just say, you know what, let's let's think about this. Um, that's it. And everybody can be that person in somebody else's life. Everybody that's got a level of maturity themselves can give advice. And, uh, and I think it's a very valuable thing for women uh, to be able to latch onto that and make use of it as a way to, to shape themselves. I was very fortunate to have some girls in my life when I was growing up who would would not make any bones about calling me a dumbass when I made a dumbass move and mm -hmm. uh, it there there are ways in which that was life-saving and I think a lot of gals are you know we have this in-group bias a lot of gals won't do that for each other oh yeah oh um, yeah I think yeah. that's a big part of the problem and then uh, in the in the long run that really hurts men and it really hurts children and it's actually holding our greater society back yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that, you know, and, and I think that, you know, amongst women, you will find more of, yes, go girl types, you know, who will just, whatever, whatever you do in your life, <laughs> whatever decision that you make, there are women who will just stand behind you and cheer you on no matter how shitty your choice was they will stand behind you just because they don't want to feel like it's like one of us you know what i mean like they oh, yeah. don't want to be hell there are women that'll stand behind you and cheer you on because it's shitty behavior and that excuse yeah. their shitty behavior yeah you know? exactly. well i can do what yeah. i want because she's worse right Right, exactly. You know, and like I, I just had a, you know, I don't have a whole lot of female friends. Um, just it's just not something that comes along with my territory. Um, because I call people out for their shit, you know, and and j funny, funnily enough, <laughs> just turns out that women don't really like to be called out on their shit. Nope. Um, but um, I, I had a conversation yesterday that I actually with she's um my trainee and you know she's divorced she's got five kids you know so she's now in a place in her life where she just wants to go out and have fun well a part of her fun includes having fun with another one of our co <laughs> and you know she didn't explicitly say that you know there was a relationship going on but his name came out of her mouth far too many times for me to be comfortable. So, you know, she's, again, we had the conversation last night and she mentioned his name and I just had to pause the conversation. We were talking about something 
completely different. I had to stop the conversation just to just to correct her and say, listen, I don't know what's happening between you two, but in my opinion, my advice would be to not do this, not don't shit where you eat. If And she is a person, she needs this job. She absolutely needs the job. She cannot afford to lose it. So, and this guy is like, he's been written up so many times. (laughs) Like he's on his last legs. Exactly. So it's like, it doesn't, it's not a smart move to, uh, you know, be affiliated with this guy. You know, listen, if again, I, I agree with you. I don't agree with hooking up with people at work. But, you know, if this is a situation where you feel like you have a connection that can, you know, last outside of the workplace, then fine, go ahead and pursue it, you know. But again, I, I would tell people, I would advise people that if this is something that you want to do, if you want to pursue a relationship with someone that you work with, then you either need to... um have another job on standby, you know, or be looking to to uh, find another job, or you're just gonna have to really, really <laughs> manage your situation at work because I'm telling you, once if things start to go bad, then you have a whole nother headache on 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 your plate. You oh, know, it's a train wreck. It's an absolute train wreck. It's what yeah. just and it, it and. It is one of those things, you know, you, you, sometimes it does take another person. I had, I didn't have a work situation like that, but I had a, I had a guy that I got real focused on for a while when I was in high school that um, my friend tried to get through to me a whole bunch of different ways that I had found the male equivalent of a train wreck. And, mm. uh, you know, a lot of it was just, you know, he he was undisciplined and... Uh, he was. He didn't have um, the the training that guys usually have when they're growing up about taking responsibility for themselves. Mm-hmm. And I was constantly bailing him out of trouble, not financially, but bailing the guy out of trouble. Right? He was the bad boy. Okay. She says to me, "I thought you wanted to be a teacher, and uh, you're 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 going to go to college and be a teacher, right?" And because she had said a bunch of other things, and I I was like ignoring it, and, you know. I'm going, yeah, I'm going to be a teacher. I'm going to, you know, which I ended up, I didn't become a school teacher, but that was what I thought I was going to do at the time. And uh, it's another reason why high school students shouldn't necessarily be making the decision whether or not to go to college. Your uh, your uh, career choice might change uh, in your early 20s dramatically. Yeah. Uh, but oh. in any case, she says, how are you going to hold a career like that if you are saddled with somebody that you are constantly having to bail out of trouble? Don't you have to have a decent reputation in your community? And don't you have to have a consistent pattern of going to work every day and not leaving? Are you going to be able to leave in the middle of the day when you're at work to go bail him out of trouble? Um, Because you can't expect him to grow up because that's expecting him to become something different than what he is now. And if he did, are you still going to love him? Right. And I'm like that sort of blindsided me. And I mean, we were... I was, uh, she was younger than me too. That was the other thing. I was like 18. She was 16. And she says this and I'm like, I don't want to think about that. I got really mad at her at first for, for making me confront uh, possibilities and probabilities that I didn't want to think about because I had the hots for this guy. 
Yeah. And uh, at, so at first I was going to be like, you know, stay out of my business. This isn't, I'm, I'm dating this guy, you know, leave me alone and all that. But I really couldn't ignore what she said. And I had to think about it. And I ended up walking away from the relationship because of that. Um, yeah. You know, in large part that, you know, this is, this is dumb. The person that I am trying to be in my life is not compatible with the person he's trying to be in his life. And it's going to be right. a disaster for both of us. Yeah. And, uh, and, and you know, I've it, had to do that with other relationships. And a lot of it, if I hadn't had that, somebody be blunt like that with me over over stuff like that it wouldn't have that pattern of figuring that out in relationships and determining the trajectory of the relationship based on knowing that uh that that set of ideas that never would have happened for me yeah I, and you know so, some people need to actually go through it to actually learn because they just won't listen any other way um but going back to the idea of you career and and you know people who are looking into you know young people who are looking into having a career especially if you want to be a lawyer or in law enforcement you have to be really really selective of who you allow in your space because if you're trying to be a police officer and you know someone who is engaging in activity that can affect your career oh yeah I um, you know, actually it, had friends who had had jobs that required them to have security clearance. Mm -hmm. um, and, and security clearance is a complicated thing. So it's not just your history, your personal history that's involved there. In some levels of security clearance, they go and investigate every member of your family. They get mm -hmm. to know who you have hung out with. They investigate those people. And sometimes they'll investigate members of their family, too. And yeah. uh, if you have somebody who has uh, a a security threat in in their and it can't, it doesn't necessarily always have to be you know this person is uh, uh, is of poor character it could even just be this person is in a situation where it would be easy to blackmail them it can affect your security uh, clearance yeah. and uh, you know it, that's not necessarily that way with cops but it is that way with people in um well certain areas of programming believe it or not if you there are some jobs here in this area where your your security level has to be uh pretty tight and um you know i've i've seen friends lose jobs because they knew somebody who just had a, a an aspect of their personality or just had an aspect of their lives that made it possible that they could be a whole uh, a security hole uh, so, yeah, you you do. You really have to be careful of your associations. And this falls on men. Men learn this stuff as they're growing up. Boys learn this stuff as they're growing up. They learn that uh, they have repercussions throughout their lives, depending on guilt by association, uh, mm -hmm. depending on uh, how people uh, how people treat say their their relationships to their friends and family members um they you know not just guilt by association but uh the impact of a person's actions that you are close to can can fall on you you end up responsible for fixing something that somebody else screwed up uh mm -hmm. that you wouldn't be having to take responsible for uh responsibility for if you weren't in the vicinity when that happened and of course they get treated as responsible for everything that happens around girls gals right. don't have that 
equivalent with respect to guys. The closest thing we have is we can get pregnant and uh, if you're not okay with the idea of abortion, then that's actually a pretty big thing because you know you're going to have a baby and you have some big decisions to make. Um, but that's that even that comes with a level of society societal uh, support for the person who has made the foolish choice uh, to get pregnant in the first place when they they didn't have um, you know a marital relationship or a permanent relationship with a the guy. There's a or level the of support there by the rest of society. Yeah. That, that men do not have. They are on no. their own. And so I think a lot of this double standard that we have talked about tonight, I think a lot of it comes from girls growing up with that lower standard for accountability mm -hmm. and that lower standard for facing the fallout of uh, somebody else's wrongdoing or failure, mistake, uh, bad choice, whatever. Uh, that they they know that they're going to have safety nets and that they know that they're going to be able to um, that, you know, like if a girl gets accused wrongly of something she has support in defending her innocence and stuff like that uh, and I think we would we would see a major change in the way that women act in in this uh, this situation we wouldn't see this type of uh, harassment campaign that we were talking about at the beginning of the show nearly as frequently if gals grew up learning those same lessons of responsibility and accountability and uh, facing the repercussions of other people's mistakes in their lives uh, that that boys grow up with yeah exactly you know um you know i i i've even seen you know men go through situations and their own family will turn against them because oh, you 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 should be a man you you should stand up and be a man and you know it's just you know, shitty things happen to everyone. Yeah. How how about we just, you know, not... How about we take the gender out of it and just, you know, accept that men and women, and especially women, <laughs> can be just as faulty or as culpable and capable of doing the shitty things that, that human beings do to each other. Yep. And, uh, and of course, uh, another part of the bottom line is we as a society should not be imposing consequences on anyone based on accusations without evidence. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And if we didn't do that, it would take the teeth out of false accusations. Yeah, I mean, but the thing is, like, you know, I think that, like, the internet has has um given us a level of um i don't think society is grown up and for the the level that the internet provides us with like I, I i think that society is still just a little too immature to deal with the um the power I mean, of the internet yeah. Well, exactly. cancel culture is an example of that. I mean, right. it, there's a, cancel culture isn't exactly a, an entirely new thing. There's always been some aspect of it or another. We've always had the court of public opinion, um, mm -hmm. and there's always been repercussions for falling on the bad side of, uh, you know, society thinks this is, a, a, this, this, this is a socially popular opinion versus this is a socially unpopular opinion or behavior or whatever. 
I think it's uh, amplified by the internet, and I yes, think it's exactly. um, escalated by the yes. internet. And yeah, I, I, it's yeah. it's one of those things where you have to get into your first drunken bar fight and get the shit kicked out of you by somebody that you underestimated um, <laughs> in order to realize that maybe, uh, you know, getting drunk and shooting your mouth off is a bad idea. Yeah. I, I think the internet embodies that in mm -hmm. in terms of cancel culture. Uh, the other end of it is um, the the throw the aspect of throwing stones in a glass house. Yeah, I don't know anybody that doesn't have anything that they did during their teenage years that they they don't look back on and go, you know, that was that was really immature and stupid. Yeah. Um, because that's teenagers are there's a lot that's of uh, yeah there's that's a lot of uh, in, immature stupidity during your teenage years they're still growing right. up they're still maturing and developing you're a recognition learning. of you know social norms and so on yeah you're learning how to live in a society with other people you know and you're gonna have some bumps and and you know lessons that you have to learn along the way but that's what this is for. It's to prepare you for being an adult. And right. it just seems like so many people, I don't like to, you know, say it's men or women, but it just, it really seems like women are just held behind in that regard. They're not allowed to, or encouraged to grow up and no. be adults. And like, you know, the, 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 inter the internet does two things there. The first thing is it disallows people the ability to have a difference in who they were at 15 and who they are at 50, right? So you're right. not allowed to have something that you did when you were 15 that you look back on at 50 and go, gosh, I wouldn't make that decision now. I have learned a lot yeah. since then. That was dumb. Um, and And at the other end of it, people who discover things that you did when you were 15 and hold you to the standards of your 50-year-old level of, of uh, wisdom and knowledge and maturity and all of that mm -hmm. are able to turn into junior high school bullies and, yeah. and beat you with it. And it's, that's not yeah. right. Yeah. Well, the, these, these are the people who just never left that kind of mentality. Right, and I yeah. don't mind the, like the Beavis and Butthead mentality on the internet, but I do yeah. mind the schoolyard bully uh, mentality oh, on the yeah. internet. Sure, be oh, a, yeah. be immature on the internet in, in regard to your sense of humor, uh, as long as you're not, you know, you've got somebody going, "Hey, I I don't want to participate in this," and you, you know, you chase them down. That's wrong. But um, don't don't the idea of people being uh, being canceled because they did or said something stupid. 20 or 30 years ago that needs to end exactly it's, it's ridiculous it's like we not all at one point 12 11 13 years old you know we no. were all young and dumb at one point you know you learn and you grow up and that's how you become an adult but these are the people that never left the fucking the playground you know, they're still trying to kick shit in, in the face of, of the uh, bully who stole their lunch money, I guess. I don't know. Or the kid on the other team. You know? Yeah. You're on the wrong team. I'm going to kick shit in your face. That's it. Yeah. Yeah.
And, uh, you know, you've got one side that's sort of kind of um, trying to talk some sense about it, and the other side is, is uh, oh, shit, that, that meme, I can't think of what it's called, but the, the one where you have, you know, everybody's having a normal conversation, and they all, it's just, like, almost stick figures, and then in the next picture, uh, and you, you, you label it, uh, you know, everyone else, and then the group that you're talking about, um, it's the stick figures running around like chickens with their head cuts off, heads cut off, you know, pooping everywhere and, and, uh, uh, acting r ridiculous and stupid. Um, that's basically, uh, you have that taking place with respect to cancel culture. You have, I guess, normal society going, yes, we should hold people accountable for their bad behavior, but for Pete's sake, we also have to allow room for people to have learned lessons in their lives that that helped them mature and before they learn those lessons to have been immature so like this standard needs to basically be uh if justin trudeau was if we could trust that he was being honest when he says that was dumb i'm sorry i did it um then that's that should be the end of story with that rather yeah. than it being a cultural uh uh end of his existence uh and yeah. at the same at the same time you know, had Brett Kavanaugh done the thing that he's accused of in this latest, greatest, next best accusation, if he came out and said, yeah, that's true, I did that, I was a real dumbass, that was very immature, and I would never do anything like that today because I've learned from it, that should be enough, but it wouldn't yeah. be. Um, but that's, you know, and then you have the other side that would want... Trudeau to be able to have that right, but wouldn't want Kavanaugh to be able to have that right because he's on the wrong team. That needs to yeah. go. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, and in regards to the whole Justin Trudeau uh, brown face, black face thing, cultural appropriation or whatever, I don't care about that. Okay, yes, he's, he's a bit of an ass, <laughs> but I don't take that as a slight. I don't take that as as something that he did wrong you know any any celebrity that has been found to have been in blackface you know i i'm sorry i just don't care about that you know it it doesn't you know unless you're saying some really disparaging things about the people who you are trying to portray um you know i again i would look at the situation and try to make some sort of sense of it right so when sarah silverman dresses up in blackface and she's you know doing some kind of funny skit okay she's just trying to be funny i don't take that as her trying to make some statement against all black people nor justin trudeau when he did it as well you know again with this whole cultural appropriation thing i think it's i think people really try to show their admiration when they do things like that um, again unless they are really explicitly being offensive or or trying to be offensive to that particular culture or race or whatever but it just i'm sorry this shit like that just does not offend me it doesn't you know yeah. we're all 
we're all human. Why can't we laugh at each other? Why can't we make fun of each other and, and, you know, have fun with each other? It's, it's just so just, uh, like it's it's heavy to try to carry around all that victimhood. Um, my, my thinking on it is, is this, we used to be able to, when I was growing up, we would razz each other about our differences as long as we were not uh condemning each other over our differences like right you you could uh we would make fun of stereotypes as long as we were not trying to pretend that the stereotypes were real and the individual had to uh, live up to that or down to that stereotype and our expectations and treatment of that individual would be guided by those those are there's two different things there you have uh, making fun of a stereotype and um, accepting that this stereotype exists and it probably has some basis in in reality um, in in some instances that's that's not necessarily a wrong thing to do it's when you turn around yeah. and say well you know all all people of this particular demographic are stupid or all people of this particular demographic are incapable of holding this kind of job or uh, should, shouldn't have the same legal rights as other people, or I can be mean to people because they look like this, or are they this sex, or this color, or this religion, or whatever, then you're an asshole, you know, exactly. and, and there's, that's, that's a line that should be drawn. There's nothing wrong with drawing that line. The problem is yeah. that we get to a point where people who end up in this special snowflake, uh, level of sensitivity, they lose the ability to form camaraderie around, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, laughing about our differences. And that's a very special kind of bond you can have with people. And it's sad to see that go. Yeah, it's it's like, um, again, the kids on on the playground that are picking teams for like a basketball uh, game, you know, right? Like, so a stereotype would be to say, well, I'm going to pick the the tall black kid because obviously he, he must be able to play basketball better than everyone else. Mm-hmm. Right. That's a stereotype. But to look at then then look at a white guy, a shorter white guy and say, well, I'm not going to pick him because that, you know, the tall black kids are better at basketball. So because white you, men can't jump. Exactly. Right. So <laughs> you, you little short white guy, I'm not going to pick you for anything. That is discrimination. I, <sighs> yeah. And it's and it you lose out. The person loses out. And it's bad right. all around. Uh, right. But yeah, in any case, uh, you know, that that goes, it goes right back to the whole discussion on the double standard. You know, here we have the same thing. Um, these stereotypes and the, uh, about the differences between men and women's experiences and stuff are one of the the guiding forces that get used to, to inform the double standard on uh, we can engage in a harassment campaign against this guy by yeah. spreading uh, false sexual rumors about him uh, regarding sexual misconduct. And and it's okay because we're women and if you don't believe us, you're misogynist. If you judge us for it, you're misogynist, not we're bad for doing this to this innocent person. But if right. a group of men all, you know, talked about sleep, even if they weren't accusing her of something bad, just we're, we're all bragged about sleeping with the same woman. Uh, then suddenly it's sexual harassment. So I'm gonna I'm gonna call it um, on that note. 
Uh, and, uh, you know, we've I think we've covered a lot of ground in, you know, everything from how uh, how it's wrong in the first place to how uh, how hard it would be for women to live up to the standard if it went both ways and how stereotypes and stuff contribute to it, how uh, our, our society's evolution contributes to it and the lack of accountability. Uh, mm -hmm. So I think that's about everything. Uh, and we'll we'll go ahead and move on into the after show. So I'm going to say good night to everyone. Uh, thanks, Lauren, for sticking out the extra long portion of the sausage. Um, oh, and although Karen's not here, I can say thanks again, Karen, for for being on the show when when she had to actually go on and do something else right afterwards. Thanks and everybody thank, for thank thank you to Kevin and Borat for actually behaving yeah. for this show <laughs> somewhat. They, they made their contributions. They had a few things yeah. to say. Um, yes, <laughs> but uh, they made very valid points. Uh, very, very oh. valid points. I, I absolutely think that Bork, Bork, Bork was a very good point. <laughs> uh, and especially when we're talking about, you know, women making false allegations. You know, false <laughs> allegations, Bork. Bork, Bork, Bork. Borkity, Bork, Bork. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway, thanks everybody for listening. And uh, thanks to everybody who works in the background to make HBR talk happen. Good night, all. Like a furry torpedo to the jugular. This is Honey Badger Radio. Radio with life. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.